On this episode of Resi Week, Crestron has a Ping 2.0 event, CTA has a brand new board, IMAX certified devices, and Vizio's $17 million class action. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week episode 142, Plain Ketchup. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Crestron. Welcome to Resi Week. This is your weekly wrap-up of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for avnation.tv. And today I'm pleased to be joined by the one and only uh, Mitchell Klein. He is the executive director of the Z-Wave Alliance. How are you, my friend? Hey, I'm fabulous, Matt. Love to be here with you again today. Thank you so much for joining us. And we have Jeremy Glowacki. He is the senior editor of Residential Tech Today. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here, both of you. All right, gentlemen, let's jump right into a story that comes to us from Residential Tech Today and written by our good friend, Heather Sidorowicz. She was uh, last week at Crestron's annual tech summit in uh, Palisades, uh, New York down at their HQ and wrote a lovely little report on A, the, the joys of uh, getting value out of events that you take time away from family and business to go to. Uh, but more importantly, she digs into uh, a bunch of the stuff that the, the Crestron event covered, specifically how Crestron's ping is now controlling video, as well as the fact that uh, obviously there's, there's voice integration, but that they are giving integrators multiple ways and multiple paths uh, for Crestron products. Essentially there will be, a, or there is a custom path and then the simpler path, which is ping. And as she states so eloquently, you're either in the box or you're constructing the box. Jeremy, I want to start with you on this one. Uh, Crestron is obviously doing a lot of uh, big things these days with ping and, and changing kind of the, the process in which integrators are able to deploy products. Uh, Ping, the, the original version, uh, was a fairly big hit, but supposedly, uh, as Crestron says, Ping OS 2 is the operating system of the world's smartest homes. Following along with uh, what Heather was talking about and, and, and how she wrote on this, does Ping 2 really offer that full encompassing experience now that it's added video? Um, you know, it's definitely marketed that way and it's marketed to um, be able to handle basically any size home now. Um, they're not really limiting. You know, I think initially it was kind of, the idea was these would not be, you know, large estates sort of, you know, buildings, you know, big homes like you typically would see from a Crestron custom pro project. Um, but, uh, I mean, video routing, um, that's a major accomplishment and, you know, common interface obviously is their big key here as opposed to custom everything in the old days of Crestron mm -hmm. and the, the ability for the, the end user to make adjustments uh, to certain things as well, which I think is a huge development in, in our industry. So you're not having to truck roll every time, uh, you know, a, a favorite channel needs to be changed or something like that. So there's a lot of, a lot of simplicity added in here for the end user, which I think is great. Um, lighting control is part of it. Um, you know, that was a 
uh, part of the initial um, pitch and Sonos as well uh, and audio grouping. So there, there's a lot there. I, I, I'm, I'm not thinking of anything that's missing. Um, maybe missing something in my, uh, as far as shades or something like that. I'm not quite that familiar with the deep dive on it, but um, it's, it's a fairly robust uh, control system, it looks like to me. Very good. Mitch, one of the things that really caught my my attention with this, and, and I've heard Crestron talking about in some of the conversations that uh, we've had with them and, and some of the interviews that we've had, is this, this shift to HTML5. Um, obviously, you know, going through the article and listening to Crestron, they are really going down this this dual path custom where you can do anything you want, however you want, and then ping, which gives you a box to play in. The huge benefit that, that I initially see with going custom is it gives you HTML5. What is, like, obviously that helps Crestron, but what does it mean for the industry as we're starting to see more and more players go to HTML5, which is a standard programming language that's available and taught everywhere that they teach programming and computer programming. What does it mean that Crestron has, has really hitched their wagon to HTML5? Well, I think in a word or a couple of words, they're catching up to the rest of the industry. And uh, they kind of had no choice. At some point, there are going to be security requirements, things that are built into HTML5 that are not built into previous HTML versions. So in a way, they're kind of forced to do this. Uh, and yet they're doing it a little before they're, they're forced, so good for them. You know, I, I read the article also, I think Heather did a nice job summing it up, but I came up with more questions than I did answers, which you could expect because I'm not media, I'm not a Crestron dealer, so there's a lot of things I don't know about Ping other than, um, uh, you know, I might be asking, is it still a proprietary platform because you still have to rely upon Crestron to determine what products you're going to be able to integrate? It's not up to you unless you want to go and write drivers. So I, you know, I still got some questions about it, but it does seem to be a move in the right direction. And again, the days of proprietary, they're going to have to loosen that up somewhat. So we'll see where that goes. No, I will say that they uh, are saying that, uh, Crestron is saying that they have uh, certified drivers for over 500 TV models, 100 projectors, more than 150 set-top boxes, including uh, 35 streaming boxes and 38 AVRs to date. Uh, yeah, and I think the fact that they've added this on to what was mm -hmm. previously more of a smart home, if you will, platform. So it's not so much that I'm questioning that side of it. It's the other side on the smart home side where you're pretty much got to write drivers. But again, I don't know enough about the ping because again, I'm not a Crestron dealer, but I do have a lot of questions about it. Very interesting. We'll have to keep an eye on that. All right, gentlemen, let's go to our next story of the day. This is from CE Pro, the Consumer Technology Association, otherwise known as CTA, which is a leading tech trade association and the owner and producer of CES has announced the election of its 2019 executive board and its board of industry leaders during their Innovate Celebrate event in Boston. Uh, Mitch, I'm going to come back to you on this. CTA is, you know, if you've been in the industry for a long time, CTA has this big cachet with it. Uh, everyone as a rule kind of knows it. But if you're newer to the industry, you may not know the influence that CTA has. For Anyone who doesn't know how important CTA is to our day-to-day -day industry, can you give us a quick overview of that? 
Yeah, I can. I can make it. I can oversimplify it greatly too. CTA <laughs> really represents the voice of technology with respect to government. And whether or not you agree with the platforms that they may be uh, landing on, they do have substantial influence in governmental regulations and policies uh, that were very instrumental in getting HDTV going and in getting a standard established. Uh, without CTA, we'd still probably still be arm wrestling over it. So from a governmental and political perspective, CTA is the 800-pound gorilla, and I'm thrilled about it, and I support that 100%. Uh, on the other hand, being an 800-pound gorilla means you get to make decisions. And, um, you know, if I can go on a rant uh, for Please a moment, <laughs> I would be very happy to rant about CES because, uh, you know, this, is a, this has always been a very important show, and CTA manages it. And I think they do a very good job, an exceptionally good job, in terms of logistics, in terms of being able to work with the exhibitors because we work with them. And I'm, I'll tell you, for the size, they do a wonderful job. On the other hand, whether or not CTA has any influence on it, and I believe they do, uh, we have reached uh, a level of usury in terms of actually going to the event where, you know, the hotel room that I usually go to, for example, uh, Harrah's, or as I used to call them, I still do, Horrors, uh, you know, it's a $20 hotel room that typically goes for $99 that at CES goes for 600 bucks a night. Mm -hmm. uh, all the restaurants change the menus and raise their prices. Uh, you, cabbies raise their prices. The unions raise their prices. And for a hotel, let's, let me put it this way. I absolutely am convinced that integrators pretty much don't go anyway because of the costs associated with it. We will see fewer and fewer integrators go, but what I'm seeing from the manufacturer side and the exhibitor side, we're taking fewer and fewer people. And it's getting to the point now where the cost of an exhibitor to participate at CES, it's almost not worth it anymore. And if you may remember, and I'm dating myself, but there was a summer show in Chicago, Jeremy, you probably remember this stuff, uh, where you had large companies like Sony and others finally say, you know what, it doesn't make sense anymore. And they started doing their own shows and it was cheaper for them to run a show on the East and West coast and fly in their dealers and have their attention than it was to participate in the show. We're not that far away from that happening. And CTA needs to get a handle on this because honestly, I'm not even sure I can bring my staff anymore after this year. It's getting ridiculous. So Pros and cons. I'm a big supporter of CTA, but CTA, I need you to do something about CES and other shows. I, I will say as somebody who went to and attended NAB for years, and that was the ridiculously expensive show, CES has vastly surpassed that <laughs> as far as cost. Um, Jeremy, when you look at this, and there's some people uh, that are new to the board that, that we kind of know fairly well, uh, specifically Melissa Andresco from Lutron. Uh, who's the only name there that I personally know. Um, most integrators, again, they're not going to CES. How do integrators realize the value of CTA? Well, um, I think that there's one core piece of the CTA um, that has a, an effect on our industry, and that's that tech home division that they created a while back. Um, you know, and that, that's actually where Melissa kind of got her foot in the door with being part of this executive committee. She's on that, that board as well. And so are people from, uh, 
Prestron and Control4. Uh, Eric Bodley, our buddy from uh, Future Ready Solutions is on it. And there's Harman, URC, you know, on and on and several integrators as well. So I, I, I did a little research on that because I was curious about really where, where you know, the industry connection is beyond CES, which doesn't have much of an industry connection for us anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I guess the, the main thing, they're working, they, they do an awards, their Mark of Excellence awards for integrators, but uh, um, they're trying to create better um, awareness of, of our industry. And it's probably a tough battle for them because they're a very small group within a very large group. Um, but um, I would say that the best, you know, it'd be best to connect with folks on that board um, to, to kind of help, help get our voice heard a little bit big, better in the bigger industry um, and see, you know, what sort of standards they're working on. I think there's some collaboration with Cedia there, of course. Um, but uh, I'm with Mitch as far as the, the big show and not just on the expense, but just the, you know, really where, where it really affects our industry. I think there's big picture things. Obviously, a lot of video technology comes out of CES. That's the major reason to go there if you go at all. Um, but then you can kind of get lost there. Otherwise, it's a lot of goes a lot of different directions from from car uh, technology to, you know, little gadgets still here and there. Um, you know, it gets big media attention every year, which is great for, for tech. But uh, from, you know, an attending standpoint, it really isn't that um, that important anymore. For well, it's kind of fun to go down Innovation Alley. You know, you're in Vegas, you're gambling in Vegas, whether you gamble with the casinos or you gamble with a 10 by 10 in Innovation Alley, right? And it's kind of fun to walk through that and go, okay, I'll see you next year. Nope. Maybe. Nope. nope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I agree with you. It's a dank, dark little basement that they've got those companies in. Um, but it's a it's a pretty crazy uh, setup. And you see different countries, they'll do by aisle there. There's all these French companies together or whatever it may be. And it's it's a fascinating collection of, of people trying to make their ma- make their way into the industry. Very good. All right, gentlemen, let's go to our next story. This comes to us from Residential Systems. What you need to know about IMAX Enhanced. Uh, If you haven't heard about IMAX Enhanced, it's a collaboration between IMAX and DTS to combine and create a single certification for both home theater uh, video and audio gear, aptly called IMAX Enhanced. The, uh, The couple biggest things with this is that it requires a minimum 6.5 inch display that supports HDR10 plus HDR10 plus as well as other HDMI or sorry HDR dynamic modes and from the audio standpoint it supports both 5.1 and 11.1 but is recommended that you have a 724 uh, ecosystem there. Mitch I want to start with you on this when when this was initially announced, I was really excited. I love going to a, a theater that is an IMAX theater and, and watching a movie. They have never had anything that was uh, IMAX, quote unquote, for the home. This obviously came out with a, a fair amount of fanfare. There are a, a couple of devices that are that have shipped, or, or sorry, that will ship that have this built in as well as uh, specifically for Denon and Marantz, some uh, updates that can happen via firmware. 
But the one gleaming thing that seems to be omitted is there is not a single piece of content available. When you read this story uh, and, and possibly get excited about the, the, the concept of having uh, an, an IMAX quote unquote experience in your home, when there is literally no content and no hint to when content will even be available, how excited can you actually get about this? Uh, well, you, Matt, you need to become a sales champion. <laughs> That's what it's all about. You know, it's cart and horse, right? You know, I read it too, and that was the absolute first thing that jumped out at me. I'm reading it, I'm going, this is really good. I mean, I love the fact that they're pushing the envelope and saying, you know, really, let's get better gear, better gear, better experience. I'm, I'm all for it. And the fact that there's no software behind it, it's going to be cart and horse. And you know it's not going to come out until there's enough products sold because no. from a content perspective, it's not easy to put it out. Apparently, and I can read it here, there's no distribution plans to run it over ATSC 3.0. No. And I'm like, really? Well, make plans. Uh, you know, they're not even talking about not just when, but how many. There's no question. I, mean, I should say there's no discussion yet but let's sell some stuff. I mean, really be a sales champion, pitch the concept, say future ready. Um, that's really what it's going to boil down to. And it's, I'm sure it's good stuff even without the enhanced uh, material. I'm sure it is. Jeremy, what Mitch is saying about, you know, being a sales champion, going out there, selling some gear, kind of uh, trying to go down that if they, you know, if you build it, they'll come experience. One, no matter how many home technology professionals are selling uh, this IMAX experience. We, we just were not big enough to push IMAX to actually produce content, the studios to produce content. How, how big of a risk is there that going and selling this on the hopes and dreams that a disc or a, a download medium will show up having this content embedded? Is it, to, to go out and try and sell your client on this, not knowing whether all this gear that you sell is outdated by the time content actually arrives. We've been down this road before. So you're talking to the guy that moderated the panel on this thing. So that's I, why I'm I was, asking you. I was, I, was, I was buried in it. And yet I was as confused as everybody about what it was going to be because they were so careful about what they could not say about their content partnerships that they're developing. So they've got a lot in the works. They've got a Paramount deal that's already established. And they're trying to, and Sony Pictures and Sony, obviously, Electronics is doing video on that um, on the display side. But, um, I think these are these are partnerships that are well underway. Um, IMAX is a big name. DTS came to IMAX, I'm pretty sure. I didn't get this firsthand, but it seems to me DTS was really big on the IMAX brand name, and they thought something's going to push our DTX X, you know, uh, audio technology out there into the consumer world more. And this is a way to do it. Everyone's going to recognize this brand. And I think the manufacturers are going to drive it They're, You know, when you've already got a Sony on board and you've got Denon and Marantz already doing stuff with it, Sound United, I think that's a step in the right direction. Um, I think because we're in the industry and we're hearing it early on, we think this is maybe a little too early, but it's not to the actual consumer yet. So I wouldn't push it yet. I would just have it in the back of my mind if I were an integrator that this thing is on the horizon. 
we're going to start seeing that branding come along, this IMAX enhanced stuff. It's going to be part of products that are going to be sold anyway. It's just going to be another badge on that receiver. I don't think it's going to get in the, it's not going to be something you get it or you don't get it. Um, and then it's just a matter of, do people really want to buy discs anymore? And that's going to be the biggest roadblock here, I think, because most people don't. I mean, it's also an easy way to upsell someone to a 65 inch. You know, why do I want the screen that big? Well, you know, you got well, stuff coming down the pike. This is coming. Trust me, you'll need it. Be a sales champion, guys. Go for it. So, so one of the cool things about this is that they were saying, at least this is the presentation to me, was that IMAX, when they started putting stuff on that big screen, they would see all of the flaws in, in the film. And so they had to go through this kind of processing, this DMR, this digital media re remastering, they call it, um, to clean that up. And what they're doing with HDR is they're also seeing with HDR, all of that detail is coming to this big screen on your home screen and they want to clean that up as well. So it sounds like just overall, that's a better process um, for that content. Um, again, it's non uh, IMAX content. It's going to look good on that screen as well. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's, it's very, um, it's a good story. I think there's, if you can kind of understand the messaging on it and it's just a matter of whether the content is going to be there anytime soon. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see. All right, gentlemen, let's hit our last story of the day. This comes to us from hidden wires and Charlotte Ashley Vizio is going to hand over millions in a TV spine lawsuit. Uh, TV manufacturer Vizio has been ordered to pay $17 million in damages following a class action lawsuit. If you missed this, this was uh, or is Vizio's second infraction for quote-unquote spying on their consumers. If you were not following it very, very quickly, uh, essentially they were tracking the viewing habits of their clients and their customers using embedded TV software. Not only did they monitor it, they also then sold it without your knowledge to third parties uh, for quite a lot of money. Um, Jeremy, I want to start with you on this really quickly. This is, uh, as I said, this is the second infraction that Vizio's had. Um, the first was they had to shell out 2.2. Now they're shelling out 17 million. Uh, if you were someone that purchased a TV, you'll get somewhere between 13 to $31. Uh, so obviously your information is not worth that much to the courts. <laughs> uh, sorry about that. I'm going to retire on that one. Yeah, you're, you're going to the bank. Uh, definitely with that check. Um, Jeremy, is there any concern? Do you actually expect consumers to push back on purchasing Vizio? Not at all. You're just gonna shake your head. I, I just listening. Not not. I not don't. I, I, you know, the BP oil spill. I stopped going to BP for about six months just because I was annoyed with seeing birds covered in oil. You know. Things like that, those are big stories. You see them for days on end. I don't think anybody heard about this story in the consumer world. Um, class action lawsuit, those are people that have bought the TVs already. I'm sure that they're, you know, they, they're well aware of it maybe. But I, I think, you know, we hear a little thing about our voice activated devices, you know, maybe listening in on us. And we have all these little moments of fear, but it's like, is it, is it inconvenient to turn something off? Is it going to make the thing work less well um, on your smart TV? If you turn off a feature, you're not going to get, you know, the best performance out of it. You know, those kind of questions come up and you just go, it's, eh. but 
can you even buy a non-smart TV, Harley, in, in retail? It's kind of tough. Um, so I think that's where people are just going to live with it and hope for the best. And, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's a, you can either be scared of it and hope for the best or, or just don't do it at all. You know, I mean, it's, it's just, um, I, I, I don't, I don't see it really having a big backlash, but I do think that class action lawsuits like this, can change the way these companies think. If any other uh, the manufacturers are trying to do something like this, they're going to realize that they're going to now be visible. You know, right. not, wasn't not that the new Magnavox TV ad? Hey, we're not spying on you like they did. <laughs> or Mitch, Mitch, when when you're a integrator uh, who sells Visio, does this type of history uh, now that it's come to light? Does this change your, your go-to-market strategy? Should this change your go-to-market strategy? Or should this just be a footnote when you sell a Vizio panel? Yeah, it's just a footnote. It's, it's not even an issue. Um, I mean, you're an integrator. You're not utilizing the, quote, smart TV aspects in the TV. You're using it as your monitor, mm -hmm. and you're selling an outboard device, which does a much better job. Again, what's your preference, whether it's a, an Apple TV or a Roku box or an Amazon, but whatever it is. So you're really not going to use that smart stuff on the TV anyhow. The menu systems are generally not that good. Again, I know there's an exception because Roku's now getting built into more and more TV sets, and yeah, that may have require a decision. But up until that time, you know, I mean, I've had my fill of TVs, and I'm really using my outboard boxes anyway. Mm -hmm. The thing that really struck me, though, was in, in the settlement, well, first of all, it's a class action. What that means is that $17 million dollars you know, $13 or something goes to each of the individual uh, individuals. And then the rest, the other 15 million goes to the law firms. So you really don't gain much out of that at all. And what was amazing to me is that 17 million in the quote, and I didn't write the quote down, but something to the effect that that 17 million is the money they made selling your data. So it wasn't even really a penalty. Just said, hey, remember all that profit you made? Give it back. But they really didn't penalize Vizio on it. And that was a little surprising to me. Yeah, it's very disconcerting. And uh, the, the quote that I loved, uh, or the statement that I loved, was that all data will be deleted as part of the settlement. It says nothing to the data that was sold. So Vizio is going to delete any data, but... Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're welcome. Just to make you feel warm and fuzzy. All right, I gentlemen. Warm and fuzzy. On that lovely <laughs> warm and fuzzy note, we are going to uh, call it a day there. Thank you, gentlemen, so much for joining us. Mitch, if people want to connect with you, learn more about the Z-Wave Alliance, follow uh, your reaction to your local sports teams uh, in the or sport team, I guess, at, at the moment in the World Series, where can they do that? They all love all the Boston sports teams. I know that. We're very popular Everyone does. on my airplanes, <laughs> all my travels. I know how popular we are. Um, Stop winning so much. Boston, great time to be a Boston sports fan. So what I would recommend is uh, email me or at uh, mitch at zwavealliance.org. There's a hyphen in there, z-wave. Or you can tweet at me at Mitchell underscore Klein. And i uh, love to hear from all you guys. Excellent. Thanks again for being here. Jeremy, if people want to connect with you, follow you and uh, definitely uh, subscribe and get connected with Residential Tech today, where can they do that? 
Yeah, thanks for that plug. We definitely want new subscribers. We're a new magazine just getting started. So uh, residentialtechtoday.com is very easy to remember uh, the URL for our website. And on Twitter, I'm at Glowaki underscore Jeremy. So look forward to hearing from you. Excellent. Thanks again. Uh, for myself, if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me at Matt D. Scott on Twitter and uh, pretty much every other social platform. But more importantly, please stop by avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of our other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our underwriters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week.